Welcome and thank you for joining us on this Go Church podcast with Pastor Jerry Stewart. Gospel Outreach Church is Go Church, loving God, loving people. For more information about Go Church, please visit our website at gochurch.us. And now, Pastor Jerry. Um, while you're turning to Hebrews chapter 1, I'm going to Luke chapter 2. And if you want to go both places, you can. I'm only going to Luke chapter 2 because it has nothing to do with the message tonight. But <laughs> this morning when I was, I found uh, lately that in the most unusual places, the Lord will speak to me through his, his word. And, he, and so this morning I felt stirred up about this. And I, I was reading in Luke chapter 2, and I, wanna, I think it will minister to somebody. Uh, but Luke chapter 2, and uh, it, it, beginning in about verse 25, is where uh, Simeon uh, comes into the temple. He's been a really good man, walking after the Lord. Verse 27 says, he came by the Spirit into the temple. In other words, it wasn't necessarily his time to be there. But the Holy Spirit moved him, and, and he comes. And lo and behold, Joseph and Mary are coming in. And they're coming in to uh, dedicate their son to the Lord and go through those processes. So Simeon sees them, and, and the, the Lord had let Simeon know that you're going to live until the Savior is born. So he begins to bless the, uh, uh, them, bless uh, Jesus, takes him up in his arm and begins to bless him. Uh, but then I came to these verses, beginning with verse 33. After he had blessed him, he said, And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother. And this is what struck me. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and the, and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And just as I read this about the Savior being manifest, the reality that the, the Jesus was destined for some people to rise on his coming and other people would fall, that there would be those who revere him and those who didn't. And the reality is when the Savior comes in, it has this effect. Religious or non-religious, it will have this effect. It will create a dividing line. And I had a great sense uh, this morning as I was reading, this is what I was compelled by, that we are living in a time where Christ wants to begin to demonstrate the power of his redemption in everything that it means, from the guilt of sin, the power of sin, the restoration of life, the, uh, the healings and miracles. You know, there, none of Jesus' ministry was apart from the demonstration of works of power. And we want to see those things that accompany the gospel. You know, and I want to be careful even how I say that because I don't believe, you know, the works of miracles certainly can uh, give credibility to things. But uh, sometimes I've seen miracles happen in situations where I didn't agree. I'm not sure the people had the right doctrine, you understand. Just the mercy of the Lord. 
But what do miracles say? It's part of the redemption of Christ. That part of our fall is all of this terrible stuff we deal with, and part of redemption is raising us up above and, and the healing and, and blessings of the Lord. And uh, anyway, I don't want to get into that anymore. But just that when God starts to move, that, that it will be like a dividing line. And, and when God begins to touch and change lines, it's going to be a dividing line. There are going to be people who will stand with the Lord, and there will be people who won't. When God begins to radically change people, it, it's a threat to those who aren't radically changed. And it, it causes something to happen. They're either going to say, okay, I want this change too, or they're going to say, no, I don't want anything to do with that, and they'll start to find fault or some reason to accuse or put it down. But I want to tell you that Jesus is going to magnify his name and the power of his, his life, his crucifixion, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension back to the right hand of the Father, and the power of everything that that means. So anyway, that was just strong in my soul this morning that look out, when God starts moving, uh, you, you may uh, see some turbulence occur. But that's what the kingdom of God is supposed to do, create turbulence and stirring and changing. So that's just a, that's a, that was a comforting thing to me. I don't know how you find it, but there you go. And, oh, in there it said also that it, he would reveal the hearts also, and that's part of what stirred me. When people get offended at the gospel and, and the Savior, it says that in, in the latter part of verse 35, that, that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. In other words, it's going to show where those hearts really were. And how much did that happen in, in the Gospels? That when Jesus started doing things, it offended people. And it showed that though many of them had religion, they didn't really have a relationship with God because they missed him. So anyway, be that all as it may, that's not the message tonight. Uh, that's, I just felt like I had to share it because I believe somebody needed to hear it. That's all. That, did that help anybody? Okay, good night message. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, Hebrews chapter 1, are you there yet? Hebrews chapter 1, and tonight I want to, you know, last week I shared with you a, uh, a dream I had about, uh, you know, of, of an encounter with God, about God taking me to another place, to another place, a uh, level in Him. And how that I struggled with surrender to that. So last week we entitled that study about and the absolute yes. And we talked about saying the absolute yes. Well, it was a precursor. That happened on um, one, one night. And the next day, what happened is what I want to share with you about. But I want to begin in Hebrews chapter 1. And tonight I want to read beginning with verse 1. And I want to share with you a message that I would like to just call it uh, our Father's heart. But in particular, I want to talk to you about hearing and seeing our Father's heart. The stories that I'm going to share with you in a, in a little bit, I it was a real experience for me. I'm going to share with you, after we look at some scripture, I'm going to share with you a real encounter that I had with the Lord. And I'm going to try to share with you the effect that it had upon me. And I pray that tonight that I can share it with you from the place that it took me to because it radically altered my heart 
But in chapter 1 of Hebrews, verse 1 says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds. And I just want to mention the words spoke and spoken that are mentioned here. That God is a speaking God. That he is uh, ushering forth his message. He is making manifest his way and his word. And so as he spoke by Christ, verse 3 says, and I'll just probably read the first part of verse 3, because it talks about now how he spoke. He says, he has now spoken to us in verse 2 by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And so verse 3 says, who being, now it's talking about Jesus, the brightness of his glory, Jesus being the brightness of the glory of the Father. In other words, when you want to know how spectacular the glory of God is on earth in and through a human being, you look at the life of Jesus. When you want to know the potential of the glory of God manifesting in and through your life, the example is Jesus. He laid down his life and put that aside and walked with the Father in the very same way that every one of us in here are designed to. And he showed us how as people we can live in this kind of relationship. The very thought of it makes my heart hungry for more because I don't see enough of that. I'm grateful for all that I see and you know, sometimes when I think about this and when I talk about it to some of my pastor friends that are not, that we don't share the same beliefs, they'll say, well, I saw the glory this morning when the sun came up or the wind was blowing through the leaves and I saw the glory. Yeah, all of those things speak of the glory of God. But when I talk about the glory of God, I want to be clear. I'm talking about the manifestation of a power from on high that is from another world that works in people's lives and changes things. As wonderful as all those other things are in the world's declare the glory of the Lord. But there is a power from on high that moved through Jesus that is designed to move through his people. And so we want to connect with that. And so he goes on and says, verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. In other words, Jesus is the express image of the Father. Whatever view you have of the Father, if it doesn't line up with what Jesus revealed, then your view is flawed. Jesus was the express image of the Father. And I like the NIV, the NIV puts it like this, that he was the exact representation of his being. The ESV, the uh, English Standard Version, puts it like the exact imprint of his nature. And I love the way that puts it because now I know what the Father looks like. But I didn't realize on the day I'm going to share with you about that I was about to encounter it in a completely different way where it came alive. 
Colossians 1.15 tells us that he was the, in, the image of the invisible God. When you wanted to, to know what God looks like, you look at Jesus. So without questions, seeing God is looking at Jesus and looking at his life as he demonstrated him. Interestingly, there was the time in John chapter 5 where Jesus was at the pool of Bethesda and he healed the lame man. Remember the story? And what happened after that? The people got upset because Jesus healed on the Sabbath day. And so they asked him, why are you healing on the Sabbath day? And his response was, and I want you to listen. He said, my father has been working until now and I have been working. He is saying, I do what my father does. If you have issue with me, you have issue with the father. And so he was doing what his father had, had done. And in verse 19 of John 5, Jesus went on to say, the son can do nothing of himself. And I love that verse because there are a lot of people who talk about Jesus being human and divine at one time. This verse tells us that he could do nothing of himself. That the only way he was able to do anything was because it goes on and says, but what he sees the father do, only he, he could only do what he saw the father do. What would it be like if we, like Jesus, could see what the Father would do? Not with our information, not with reading the story, but in our spirit, deep in our inner spirit, we could see what the Father would do. We could hear what he was saying in the moment. So he said, he said, I, I do what the Father does, for whatsoever he does, the Son does also likewise. And there's one other verse that I want to mention before I get into my little story. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to turn there, but it's Acts 10, 38, and Peter is at Cornelius' house. And at Cornelius' house, he's, he is sharing the gospel with these Gentiles. And as he's talking to him in verse 38, he mentions about how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And the word that I just want to highlight in this text, there's so much richness in here, but the only word I want to talk about is the word oppressed, because that's the word that the Spirit of God put in my heart. When I thought about when Jesus came and he manifested the Father, that he came to heal those that were oppressed by the devil. Those who were oppressed by the devil. And that word oppressed, and from the, the Greek word, it means someone was exercising rulership over them, holding them down, denying access to the higher and better things that they were designed for and destined to enjoy. It means to exercise tyranny over, to treat harshly and overpowering. And that's the environment that Jesus came into, and he was there to overturn not just the money changers in the temple. He was there to overturn 
the power of the kingdom of darkness. He was there to do the Father's work to heal those who were oppressed. We read that word oppressed, and sometimes we may use the word, I feel depressed or I feel oppressed. And we use it so slightly and so lightly that we don't comprehend the depth of the meaning of the word oppressed. To be under the power of the enemy, to be under his controlling influence, and Jesus came to heal. Like Jesus, hearing and seeing the Father's heart is essential for us understanding what he can do in our life. Hearing and seeing the Father's heart is essential for being able to minister in this world for him. If we can't see it, we can't do it. We can go through the motions and do maybe a religious ritual of what we know to do. I've prayed like that many times. I've gone through the motions without being moved in my heart. I try not to do that. I try very specifically to come into relationship to what the Father is saying in the moment, knowing these things that I'm sharing with you. And I believe God wants us to move into that kind of place. My encounter began early. Um, early in the morning, I was at a meeting in um, Dalton. We were in an old movie theater, which is a, a church. I don't remember the name of the church. But we're there, and the building is packed to overflowing. And people are there from all over the world. We're there worshiping God and enjoying the presence of the Lord. And as we come in, it's a, a, we, you know, there are a lot of people there from the church here that day. And uh, as we started, Johnny, who was leading the meeting, said something about this is going to be a day where decisions are made that there's no turning around from. That God was bringing people to a place of decision. And so I kept trying to wonder, God, what is this you're talking about? And being there to minister to people, I was thinking, who is going to need this kind of ministry, a life-changing ministry that this day forward, their life will never be the same again. But inside, I kept feeling this, that something God was going to do in me. And because I'm a preacher, I was kind of pushing that away, saying, Lord, I just want to be here to minister for you. But the Lord began to work in me. Shortly after that, Johnny introduced a pastor from China. He had a contingency, a small contingency that had come over from China and he was a pastor of underground churches in China. Today I read an article in the paper from a pastor from churches in China, churches in China and he talked about, and he, uh, he came to the United States of America, and he talked about the persecution there. And the article was about how he's seen the government in the United States start to line up like the government, the communist government of China, and he gave some very specific ways in which that was happening, which ought to cause all of us to be alarmed. But what he shared, you know, this pastor, he had been threatened. And so this pastor that was there, 
he came forward and Johnny called for some of us to come up and circle around him and pray. And he asked me to come up. So we were up there. We, we made a circle around this man and, and we began to, to pray for him. And, uh, and we prayed as we thought we should. And it was like right after the first song. And after uh, prayer, I began to find myself having an unusual experience I can't explain. But suddenly the Spirit of God had come over me working in a certain way. And uh, I began to feel the, the presence of the Lord tangibly just strong over my life. And so I lingered for direction as we're praying, but I never heard anything. So I didn't pray anything. I just stood there. But after we finished praying and we were going to go back to our seats, I was conscious of where this Chinese pastor had been. So I was aware that where he lived, it took a level of faith and commitment that was beyond what I had to live in. So I asked him to pray for me. And so he, he, he just turned around and very quietly and simply prayed for me. But after he prayed me, that presence of the Holy Spirit increased so profoundly that I began to shake, I began to quake, I began to uh, fall to my feet, and uh, I, I, I couldn't hold myself up very easily. If I held myself up, it was resisting the presence of God. It wasn't that I couldn't, but I felt the weight of his glory so heavily on me. And so I fell to my knees and, and began to just weep and cry, and uh, just, you know, I didn't know what to do. I, the best words that I know to explain it, and I think this will make sense when I get to deeper in the story, was that I felt like I had entered into a time warp. I felt like I had somehow gone back in time and that the Lord had opened things that I needed to see that were life-changing for me. And so when all of this started to happen, I tried to make sure that, I mean, I'm on my knees in the, at the front of this building and I'm groaning and travailing, realizing that as the worship goes on, that's okay. But whenever it get quiet, I didn't want to disturb what others were doing and I'd try to be quiet. I just bowed over and just had my head down on the floor. And you know, people would, somebody came over and prayed for me and said, oh Lord, please forgive him, deliver him, whatever, I don't know. It, different ones would come over and pray, but, you know, they didn't have a clue what was going on, and neither did I, to be honest. So it was for a few hours that I remained on the floor, unmovable in that place, but just caught up in his presence in a way that was powerful and profound. It was during this time that eventually after it was over and the service had wound down and people were leaving that I was able to make my way back to the seat. But I didn't want to speak to anybody. I didn't want to talk. To, I couldn't talk to anybody. I couldn't speak because I was full of what God was doing. I didn't pray for anyone that day. I wept and groaned deeply. It reminded me of when I was a teenager and my heart first went after the Lord. That there were many times that not knowing what was going on, I'd bow in prayer and all I could do was just pour out tears and crying to the Lord. Somebody would bring me Kleenexes, but Kleenexes were not sufficient. I had to have paper towels. And as all of this went on, 
the concluding words after what I'm about to share with you, the concluding words that I heard from the Lord was he said to me, all I ever wanted was your heart for you to live from this place. And once again, I broke as I heard those words. So the experience that I was in took me into a time of the ministry of Jesus, and I began to see things unfold. Stories that I was familiar with, I believe you'll be familiar with them as well. First, all of a sudden, I found myself in the synagogue where Jesus showed up after he was baptized and after he had you know, read where he was, where he was beginning his ministry. And as we are there, the deliverance of the demonized man occurred. At first, it was as, as if I could feel what the man felt. I could sense his torment, his hurt, his heart desperation. Suddenly, I realized Jesus also was touched deeply by all that this man was feeling. I realized that regardless as to the issues and infirmity, regardless of, as, as to the complexity of all that was happening, Jesus was moved by the feelings of this dear soul. His goal was the restoration of life and dignity that we were created for. I realized that I was seeing him, the, the demonized man, as Jesus did. There he was in a synagogue looking for answers, searching, hurting, wounded, broken, somehow believing that God could help, yet finding emptiness until Jesus came by. And my heart wondered how many times do people come into our meetings and they really just need Jesus to pass by. They need him to show up in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. They need him to be real in his people. Somehow this, when I saw this in a, a worship service that that I had been in, I saw faces reaching out for the Lord, yet so unchanged and still in the dilemma of their broken lives. And I realized I had this thought that few people care to see people as they are, broken and bound. It's rare to move beyond the externals to see the heart-to-heart, the -heart, to see the spirit-to-spirit -spirit of what's going on in someone. And I apologize for reading so much on this Wednesday night, but I'm going to have to follow what I wrote to be able to share with you as accurately as I can. I could now imagine how it must have felt to suddenly be overcome by these virulent, vir, virulent, this virulent evil. And when I started to write about it and when I saw it, the word virulent came to my mind. I didn't even know what the word virulent meant. But I've learned that a lot of times God will give me a word like that to shake me up. And you need to know how this was. And so virulent, I found later, was a, a word that means severely harmful and bitterly hostile. Here he felt comfortable in the synagogue. But he was uncomfortable 
when Jesus came in. The man wasn't uncomfortable. The demon was. And the heart of the Lord is such that he wants to challenge the places where the enemy feels comfortable. And that he's able to reach into the soul of a man and redeem him and bring him back to a place of wholeness and completeness. The man was unable to control himself. What I saw was awful yet beautiful. I sensed the significance of how this man felt as his eyes met Jesus. Beyond the obvious distraction of the demonized was the soul of a, of a man. Suddenly I was aware of what Jesus' look meant to the man and that it was beyond words. It brought deep brokenness and tears to me at the same time. Jesus was, it was part of those times where guttural groanings just came up out of me because I realized the value to that man and I realized the life that Jesus was imparting to him and this conflict that was going on. Jesus was the first to look past the unimaginable with boundless hope and authentic love and absolute help. It was as if his eyes met the demonized and his eyes silenced everything else that was going on. Suddenly in the room, I didn't hear anything, but I was tuned in to what was going on between Jesus and this man. I could hear the worship no longer because there was one focus. It was the kingdom of God meeting the kingdom of darkness. It was now as if I too was peering into the eyes of this tormented man. And as my eyes met the man's, I felt the deep longing of his hurt. I experienced his hopelessness. I felt the despair that he felt. I felt the anguish of soul. I felt the impossible escape from the captivity that he was in. And I understood that sense of hopelessness. The compassion that filled my heart as I now understood Christ was overwhelming and would not be denied the impact by those virulent forces of evil. The compassion of Christ came in and suddenly the peaceful, restful eyes of a man who had been restored filled my soul. The contentment of a man who knew no contentment. Formerly he was disillusioned. Now he's settled and peaceful in the redemption of his life. No longer the mere shell of a man. He was restored to wholeness and empowered for his God-intended destiny. I was overwhelmed by the sense of redemption that happened. I was somewhat swooning in the emotions of that occasion. I was just in the afterglow of what happened, and I'm taking it all in. And then suddenly, I find myself at the next scene. At the next scene, I find myself seeing through the eyes of Jesus. And I'm down on the ground, and as I'm down on the ground, my eyes meet the eyes of the woman who was caught in adultery. It was as if my eyes became the eyes of the Lord. And I was looking into her and when we met eye to eye, I now knelt looking deep into her soul. All the external things didn't matter 
I was seeing her for who she was and who the Lord was going to help her to become. Her story unfolded in my heart. I was hearing her heart's cry out, and it outweighed the silence of her accusers who could say nothing. But I was overwhelmed by her own story that was flooding me as I looked into her eyes. I could care nothing about the silence of those who could cast no stone. As I listened to this, her eyes darted toward the accusers. And I sensed her angry dismay at them. Her soul screamed for fear. In part, she was screaming out in fear for the judgment that she knew for the, the, the uh, wrong thing she had done that by the laws of the Jews that was due to her. But she was also angry with those who had mistreated her and how that she had had injustice as well served by them. I saw her as she recoiled from the help. And even as Jesus was there, it was like she curled back up in a ball and wondering, is this yet just another man who is going to touch me in some way, take advantage of me in some way? But suddenly there came a knowing and a relaxing as Jesus began to interact with her. The warmth of sincere and true love was exchanged with her from the Lord. The, all those other things laid aside. The lady's dignity was somehow being restored. She was being healed and freed, restored and forgiven. In a moment of endless time, she was being released from the countless sorrows, the bad choices and circumstances, including these vengeful, wretched, self-serving people. The joy that breaks upon her face brought unstoppable tears to my eyes. And once again, the wailing and the tears began to come as I experienced the, the healing and restoring work of the Lord. The touch that wanted nothing in exchange seemed to ricochet through her heart as all he wanted was to help her and to heal her. It was unbelievable reality. The compassion, the cleansing of hope and forgiveness were overwhelming. And when Jesus said, and this is what I heard, when Jesus said, go and sin no more, this is what I heard from her in this vision. It was like, indeed, after all you've done for me, I would never go back. There was a recognition of the value of what the Lord had done for her as she received his word. Then we moved to another scene, and we were at the pool of Bethesda that I previously mentioned to you about, where we encountered the, the despairing and hopeless lame man. The sight of him laying on his blanket, reclined because he could not rise, yet reaching, reaching because he longed for better, was vividly etched in my heart. It spoke to me of the countless people who lay impotent in life and somehow their hand is raised, their voice in some way is reaching out. They have no idea what they're looking for. But when Jesus comes on the scene, he knew exactly what this man needed. I could feel the empty desperation of disappointment, his resentment, his regrets, his rejection, 
His forlorn aloneness and abandonment filled the atmosphere. Lost in the maze of madness, he lifts his eyes in his outstretched hand. He needed somebody, anybody, if someone could and would help him. And when I heard this in this vision, it moved me to wonder how many people have that cry. And the body of Christ is here, and we're deaf to the voices because we don't hear what the Father hears. We don't see what the Father sees. He had no one. No, not one. The question was, do you want? And the answer was, I have no. Nothing and no one. But now Jesus comes to the scene. And this is the kind of Jesus our world needs. That calls us to a decision like Luke spoke of in chapter 2 that we read earlier. That there is Jesus shows up in his people. That makes a mark in somebody's life. And he steps into the moment. And now Jesus is there. And he knew not the depth of what he had in front of him until Jesus, till he heard the words of Jesus, rise, take up your bed, and walk. It's as if I saw the startled look on his face when he heard the word rise. Rise. I've been 38 years this way. Rise. I've been stuck in this pattern for 38 years. Rise. Rise. How can I rise? Because the master of life is there. Because he was speaking into them. Our world needs a, 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 the manifestation of the body of Christ that can see someone who has no ability, that is hopelessly locked in 38 years of desperation, but can hear the heart of the Father that Jesus only did what he saw the Father do. He said what he heard the Father say. So why did he say to the man, rise? He said to the man, rise, because that's what he heard the Father say. He, he was a man that was speaking what he heard the Father say. I want to hear those kinds of words. I want to hear those kinds of words. I want to see that. I want to have it in my spirit where I know that it's not just me trying to pacify somebody or go through the religious motions. We know that Jesus didn't heal everybody in the world when he was here, but he healed everybody that the Father sent him to, and he healed everybody who reached out to him for healing. He denied no one. All received healing, often in ways that we can't understand, but all of them received the healing. They have messages for us as well. But the reality is Jesus is the example that everybody who came to him for healing, he healed. And the people the Father directed him to, he went to. And it wasn't to everyone, but the Father sent him to places. And it's an example of how we need to be able to hear the Father's heart. Because we're on assignment for the Lord and the people needs the, need the demonstration of the body of Christ. My heart moved at the reality of this, that Jesus as a man was doing these things. What transpired between the healer and the now healed one was indescribable. Now he needed not a hand, but a heart to believe. To believe the impossible. The man believed 
and he received, and on the word of the Lord, he took up his bed and walked. 38 years redeemed. You and I never know when a word from God in us to someone will trigger a switch where 38 years of despair can be changed in a moment to the rest of your life full of life and glory, full of the blessings of the Lord, manifesting the glory of God. To God be the glory for it all. And all of us know that we could not do that, but we give the glory back to the Lord. But let's, give the, let's, let's bring something to give glory back to him for. He displayed this for a reason so that we can understand how God in men works or in people. And so we too should endeavor to fulfill these roles of healing and help and desperation. And I'm overwhelmed by this sense of need in our lives for these things. I shared with you last week that these two, this dream and this encounter, I've locked away for some time now because I couldn't share it. I've tried to share it before. But in the name of Jesus, I felt so stirred up two Mondays back that now was the time. The Lord spoke to my heart to go back and look at what I had typed sometime before. I, re I didn't want to because I realized the last time I tried to share it, it felt empty and vain. But when I read it this time, I knew that this is the moment that we are in, that it had seasoned in my soul that this is the time for the church to arise. This is the time for the people of the Lord to become the people of the Lord, that we are under the head of Christ and we need to become his body, that we need to be his hand, his heart. We need to have his heart and his words in us so we can be his hand and his voice to those who are in need. When... Jesus' eyes, after that, met mine. He looked at me, and I was speechless, locked in a moment. I couldn't move and breathe very shallowly. And all I could think was, could it be he really sees me. <laughs> Could it be that he was now looking into my eyes? Theologically, I've known about the heart of God. But now I felt his heart. I see his heart. I'm warmed by his watching. I'm aware that he's caring. He's there squatting down beside me. That's huh? A broken mess. He was smiling. More than slightly, but he wasn't grinning. The realization is there that just as clearly he sees and knows me and cares. 
my heart yields to this comfort and peace. And it's as if within a breath, he gives life that I haven't had before. Suddenly, I don't know why, but I realize that he has changed, that time has changed. Something shifted beyond my knowing. I realize opportunity to advance his kingdom is here, but now from a level or a place that was before unknown to me, somehow, somehow I must see them as he sees them. I must minister in love and truth from his heart that lives in my heart. But as I felt the responsibility, the question of my soul was, but how can this be? I know too often the struggles of everyday life that moves us and affects us. I'm reminded as I think about it now that God designed us to live this way. He designed us to live in a world that had a tree of temptation and a serpent to tempt. That's where he put us. And he said, it's here that you multiply, you replenish, and you take dominion. And I realized that man was designed to live in that place of relationship with the Father. That we were to know the Father's heart as Jesus now reveals them even more. And I realize that that is the plan of God. Then the journey deepens. He speaks to me. And he says, here, let me show you my heart. He extends his hands to me and in words I can't describe. I'm not even sure what I saw. All I know was that he was handing me. He was giving me a part of himself. I'm undone with what I sense as it's, it's as if his heart is in his hands. He extends toward me. Here, he says, let me give you new eyes. I thought I had sight, but now, oh yes, I can see. Hearing ears as well. Beyond expression, I cannot even pin how this impacted me. I wait knowing there's more. I long for the journey to continue, but begin to realize for today, it's concluding. And so there I was left, overwhelmed and unmovable. And I began to just process. And these were a few things that I, I jotted down later that just came to my mind afterwards. One, that I must be able to share the word where it can be heard as if Jesus is speaking. 
And I was talking to two people recently. Uh, this, uh, I, you know, don't get offended at me at what I'm about to relate. Don't, I'm not judging anybody by what I'm about to say, okay? I am thank God for everybody that preaches the gospel, right? I was talking to a young man. And uh, when I asked him where he went to church, he said, well, I go to such and such a church. He said, I have to go to this church because I got to go get screamed at every Sunday. He said, I've got to have them scream at me. Then I heard uh, just this week, another young lady was sharing how... Um, I can't even describe in words what she was saying, how the preacher preached where she liked to go. I remember being youthful as a pastor, and I saw preachers who preached like that. There were times I tried to emulate them. And I found out a long time ago that if somebody leaves a service, and they remember you and your antics. But they've not heard God. One day I will stand before God. Because I'm not here to impress people with me. But we are here for people to be impressed with the Lord. And that's really all that matters. And I emphatically felt like the woman who said, basically, of course, I'm not going back. I felt like I must never, ever minister to a person without a, an awareness of his presence. I'm, I, I don't always do this perfectly. I don't do anything perfectly all the time. But I like at times when, if I'm going to pray with someone, if I sense the presence of the Lord is already working, then that's a wonderful thing. There are different ways to minister to someone. Sometimes you do it just because the Spirit of God is moving and you see what God is saying. Other times you have a word from the Lord or direction from God. And so you kind of try to open that door and see what the Lord is doing. Sometimes a person reaches out and says, would you pray for me? But even in those moments when someone asks, at times they have so many walls up, they want prayer, but it's kind of like throwing mud on the wall and seeing if it will stick. There's not really faith there, and it's hard to minister until you help build faith and have an awareness and an expectation that God's going to do something. I've shared this with some of you. Some of you haven't heard this before, but... Some years back, we had a line of people up here for prayer. And uh, one, one, one uh, 
so I'm just going to, you know, this is how sometimes we preachers get. Can I tell you something and you not, I mean, you understand? Okay. So you've preached about healing. So you got these people up here to be prayed for for healing. And I just sensed the anointing to pray for people. And there were things that happened that morning. I, I still remember some of them. But I get about halfway down, and I feel the Spirit lift. I don't know why. But what I did was I shifted it into religion. just kept going I learned from that and on Wednesday night we were talking about these sorts of things and I repented to the church and I said I'm not going to do that again if I feel the spirit of God lift I'm going to stop and try to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying recently no or not long after that it happened the same thing happened that I came to somebody, the Spirit of God lifted. We were praying for people, and I didn't know what to do. There were a couple of things that happened. One time it happened to a lady over here who came up for prayer who had Crohn's disease. She wanted healing for Crohn's disease. That day, when I went to pray for her, the Spirit of the Lord just, it just stopped. And so I waited, and the Holy Spirit gave me a word of knowledge about her past. And when I shared that with her, she broke and fell to her knees weeping. I never prayed for her for healing that day. She stayed weeping there. We went on and did other things. The next time she came to church, she declared how she had been healed from Crohn's disease. Then I go on down and I'm praying in this line. You know, there's other people praying, but I'm praying for somebody here. And look, when we pray, I want you to help me. I don't have all the gifts of healing. It takes the body of Christ to be the body of Christ. Well, well, we, we may, anyway. But, so I'm there praying. I feel the spirit lift. And I don't know what to do. I don't get a word. I turn around, look, there's a person standing right here. And instantly I knew this person was supposed to pray for that person. That person stepped in there and power. It was just right on. And that was just the way God was working. You can't put God in a can. Walking in the Spirit is walking in the Spirit. Learning to be sensitive to that. But I don't want to, I don't want to misrepresent the Lord. And I want to serve him and his dear ones in the way that I saw him do it. The last thing I want to tell you if I may, can I share with you just a little bit more? I'm wrapping it up, I'm winding down and I want to get some feedback from you if you have it. One of the last things I heard from the Lord on that day was this. I don't I, I, this may be when I'm sitting in the seat now because I had Made, I crawled back to a seat and, and come, came into a seat that, there on the front row, as I recall, and I think that's where I heard this. 
But this is what I heard the Lord say. He said, get your affairs in order. Not because you are dying, but because you are living. Living. He said, you know, and, and when, when sometimes I think about the things that the Lord wants me to do, I think about the hindrances to it. And one of the things that came to my mind at the time were debts that I owed. And this is what the Lord said. Furnished funds are already provided to liquidate debt and release you so that you can be free to minister. And I just took him at his word. And I'm grateful for the goodness of God. I'm not completely out of, out of debt at all, but I am very much working on it. And then the last thing I want to tell you, because I don't have any light on this. I don't know why I saw this. I keep hoping that maybe somebody will. I saw my dad in heaven laughing hilariously as if excited for my adventure. You got to understand, he has not agreed with me my whole life. He, he, he was primitive Baptist. I was raised Southern Baptist and became Pentecostal. But he was primitive. He, but when I became spirit-filled, it scared him so bad, he went back to the church of his childhood. He became a primitive Baptist preacher. My brother, brother-in-law, sister's husband, they were all primitive Baptist preachers. And our theologies were vastly different. Some of you know one of my brothers. If you've been around him, you've picked up on some of that. I was very much, very much, oh, well, it's all gone now. Anyway, the bottom line was he's laughing hilariously in heaven. When I saw this, he was alive. He was not in heaven. But I saw him in heaven. I didn't tell him about it. Maybe he's hearing it now. I didn't want to tell him. He would have been offended. Today, he is deceased and in glory. And I'm still wondering what the significance of this is. But it's comforting to believe that my father had an experience with the father's heart and realized the, what I believe is he realized the importance of this. Amen? And we pray.
Thank you again for joining us on this Go Church podcast with Pastor Jerry Stewart. We pray Pastor Jerry's message ministered to you. If you have any questions or would like more information, please visit our website at www.gochurch.us where you can see more of Pastor Jerry's sermons, see church activities, learn ways to give to the church, and how to visit us in person at Go Church. Loving God, loving people.